The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi portfolio managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, good evening, my friends. Another week under our belt. A little shakiness in the market continues, uh, but uh, COVID seems to be... Uh, Somewhat in our rearview mirror, not entirely, but the world seems to want to open up. And, uh, well, this day has come. Uh, may we proceed safely and cautiously and, uh, of course, get back to our more normal lives. Market, of course, uh, remains interesting. Always is, always will be. Uh, it is a new normal for the market, I shall say. Uh, bond market pushing higher. Gold looking like it's trying to do something. Uh, gold miners look a little stronger. Crypto, well, it depends on what uh, part of that equation you're uh, participating in. But to decide to get to Jamie Carrasco on the line. He's a senior advisor with Canaccord, senior portfolio manager as well, good friend of mine. And uh, well, he views the world uh, in a very unique manner, and I, I find it a privilege to speak with him uh, about his views on the world, primarily gold and monetary policy and alternative assets. Jamie, welcome back, my friend. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me back, Wolf. Yes, I, it's our pleasure. Um, Jack uh, was uh, tugging at my uh, jacket the uh, last couple of weeks to get you back on there just with what's been going on. Uh, Jack, uh, what do you got for Jamie this morning? Well, we've had Javid on our show a number of times, and he's our technical analyst, and he talks about price and volume. So he, what he's picking up is gold is starting to actually wake up. Now, I'm not sure if it's inflation, if it's Ukraine. Like you said, well, if it's very dynamic, but uh, I think there's a number of things at play. So I think Jamie could maybe speak to a couple of those things. And uh, I, I would start with inflation because I think that's probably the most important thing that is potentially going to be driving the gold price uh, in the next, I'm going to say, six to 12 months. Well, the problem, the, the problem with inflation is that it could be 12 months, but, you know, you have some people, some analysts coming out there that it could be cyclical for a lot longer than just 12 months. Now, I look at the world from a Latin American reality, and a lot of things are replaying. You know, the 70s to me, the 70s and 80s are replaying. The problem with inflation is that here we are sitting at seven, and the Fed is calculating on three. So there's a massive spread there. And at some point, inflation will affect the, the bond market, which is what, you know, guys like Jeremy Grantham are worried about. And, you know, when you have a 10-year bond and you start to see secular inflation set in, um, in a world of, of disappearing liabilities, the only asset that is nobody's liability is gold. So it's the offset to all of that debt. And I think that's the key that, you know, where is inflation going? And if the Fed have lost control, because the problem we have now, look at what's going on with the 30-year bond. We're sitting at a U.S. bond, by the way, above 2%. The 10-year just went above 2%, but the fund rate is still at 0.25. So that spread's getting wider and wider. So it's showing that inflation is getting away from the Fed, but they still haven't raised rates. They haven't even tapered. They just added $300 billion to the balance sheet. So they're stuck between a rock and a hard place now where they're trying to control this bubble, this debt bubble. They can't raise rates because the bubble's too big, but inflation's running away. So how do they manage this? 
So to some extent, we're living through the 70s again, and that's kind of what Jeremy Grantham is saying. Are the bond vigilantes back? Are the bond market saying, well, 2% inflation, forget it. I got to start pricing in 7% inflation. What if it's going higher? Because let's not forget that they calculate inflation using today's math, not the math of the 80s. If you use that math, we get a completely higher number. Uh, speak to what is a bond vigilante, uh, Jamie? Because you hear that word frequently. Well, the bond. Uh, speak to that, and what would they have, what would they do? Would, so, so the, the bond vigilantes were the, the the guys that taught me the bond business when I started as a repo trader at Golden Capital. They were the bond the bond uh, m- managers of the '70s and '80s. Who there came a point where until Volcker steps in and raises rates to whatever above inflation to get inflation under control, the bond vigilante said, well, inflation's much higher. We're being told something else, but the reality is that I'm losing purchasing power on this bond portfolio. So yields had to increase and and they started functioning outside of whatever the Fed was directing because they realized until the Fed raises rates above a certain rate, Inflation will only keep building, and all we're going to get is is destruction of wealth. Up to now, uh, most bond money managers have been listening to what the Fed is saying, listening to, you know, the, the Fed has their back. They have control of this. But do they is the question. Like, have they lost control of the yield curve is my question when I look at inflation. And people are feeling it, right? People are – you can't hide it anymore within – because they don't calculate food. But if you go to the store, you know, you're you, – you're, the average person's bill is dis- purchasing power is disappearing very rapidly, the same way it did in, in the in, in during the seventies and eighties. So, so the bond so we, vigilantes are saying, no, we got to get to higher rates of inflation to price that in. Which means they would sell bonds, and that's basically the the moral of it. Uh, they want to sell bonds, push the bond price lower, which pushes the yield higher. It, 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 it's inversely related, uh, and that's just the way it works in the bond market. Uh, Jeremy Grantham, you, you, you mentioned his name, uh, Jamie. 60 seconds or less, uh, what's his – and I saw him speak 10 years ago, just, just to set the table. And 10 years ago, he said the world's coming to an end, too much debt, uh, and the stock market, of course, is up, oh, I don't know, 200% since I heard the man tell me the world was coming to an end. And I guess if you uh, – you know, keep singing the same tune, eventually you're going to be proven right. So give us the 60 seconds on, on who Jeremy Grantham is and, and, and why you think his, his beliefs are relevant. Head of GMO comes from the, from the fixed income side, not the equity side. And why is that an important way to look at the word like I do? Uh, we are looking at equity markets worth $10 trillion around the world. Well, debt is $300 trillion. So what is the real worth? Negative when you add in all the debt. That's the problem, that the, the, if you look at the rising yields throughout the yield curve from where we've gone in the 10-year bond at 0.5 to now 2%, that's a massive destruction of wealth that is occurring within the bond market. And there's more bonds out there and more pension funds than there are at equities. And people have to understand that the bond market is more significant to the global economy than the equity market. We're speaking with uh, Jamie Carrasco. Uh, he's a portfolio manager at Canaccord, a uh, good friend of mine. Uh, very, very interesting views on the world and focus on the real big picture of debt 
it's a very important discussion. Uh, friends, take a quick break. Get right back to Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Anyone catch the Duke James Bond movie? Not that, man. I guess about six or seven months old. Uh, I managed to catch it a couple days ago. Can't say it was very exciting. Um, but the bond market, that's a different story, my good friends. Uh, some $300 trillion in size versus the stock market. The global stock market is valued at about $100 trillion. Uh, so the debt market is a lot bigger, and that's why... Therefore, there's a lot more people working on it. It's, it's, it's much more mathematical, uh, the bond market. There's also psychology to it as well. Uh, so as accurate as a bond market can be, there is still a human element to it. Hence the word bond, bond vigilantes uh, who think the market may get it wrong and they try to preempt what would, what would be inevitable. In other words, if the bond vigilantes think interest rates are too low relative to inflation, they will begin selling bonds uh, to push yields up. And, of course, the first man out is the winner. Uh, it's just the way it works. Jamie Crasco, Senior Investment Advisor, Senior Portfolio Manager, Jack Hartle, of course, Partner in Crime, here to help you have more wealth. You should take a look at our website, uh, WolfgangKlein.com, by the way. Uh, I must say, things have been very good for our clients. Uh, if you're looking for an advisor, if you're dissatisfied with your current direction, give us a call. Again, WolfgangKlein.com. Anytime, Jack and I are here for you. Uh, Jamie, let, let's carry on. What's important is that that doesn't include all the derivatives. And the problem with the derivatives right now that people have to be aware of is that derivatives are based on the spread. right? They call them um, uh, a counterparty risk, no counterparty risk, because I owe you money and you owe me money. We've, we've set up these trades. But those trades are set up on a spread, and as yields are rising on the long end of the curve versus the Fed not raising rates, those spreads are widening, and that's a problem that most people aren't even aware. That was what caused 2008, right? So, so that whining by, by, by default is also causing a lot of stresses within the derivative system. And that's well, the market, the market, yeah, the market often gets um, discombobulated uh, quickly and violently uh, when there is what's called a margin call, or when there are often derivatives uh, that don't go offside, but they start to get into a position of extreme measure. Uh, and again, people often wonder, you know, why does the market move up so slowly and often down so violently? It's that forced trading that can often trip. And friends at home, what can we say to you about that? All you can do is take advantage of it. Be on the other side, meaning when stuff goes on sale, buy it and leave it alone. And do so for five or ten years. I think you'll be well pleased. The, 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 these, these hyper traders, super traders, intellect are dealing on a different time frame. They're dealing on minutes, hours, weeks, months, 
long-term quarters because they base it uh, based on their own results against the benchmark. You can take advantage of that. How? Think longer term. Uh, Jamie, let's carry on. The bond market, I think, has settled out a little bit this year. Uh, Jack, who were you and I speaking with about levels? It might have been Javid thinking that two and a quarter, so 2.25% on the 10-year bond yield is the upper threshold. And uh, technically, he doesn't believe it will pierce through that. Uh, it did, the 10-year did get above 2%, coming off of a, a base of about a half a percent. So it's had a huge move off its bottom. Uh, but it also retreated. It got above 2% and is currently, as I speak, trading at about 1.9%. Uh, so, uh, again, we spoke about inflation running above 7%. Is it structural? Is it cyclical, i.e. temporary versus permanent? Uh, the bond market might be telling me it's temporary or there's something larger afoot. Jamie, speak to that. I think it's too early to tell because it only pulled back below 2% today because of the Ukrainian situation. So that's a more, more of a flight to safety. However, what's going to happen going forward as more of the in, in, inflation numbers continue to come out? Because it's definitely not transitory, and they definitely don't have it under control. So I think that would be the one area where I would be keeping an eye on for what direction is the bond market going to take. Because if we start to see the destruction of wealth within the bond market because yields are rising, um, it's also going to affect the U.S. economy. Look at what's happening with real estate. The 10-year bond sets the mortgage rate in the U.S. So borrowing costs are getting much more expensive. Right? Mortgage applications have fallen. So on that note, you are correct. Uh, Jack, what are your thoughts on this? I'm just looking at the inflation numbers that we've seen, Wolf and Jamie. <clears throat> Honestly, inflation either has to come down. One of two things have to happen. Inflation has to come down or rates have to go up. That's it. Simple as that. Um, exactly. you, don't even have to have, you don't have to have a positive real return per se, but it can't be um, this this much of a difference between the two because over the long term, there is absolutely no way that people will enter into a 10-year or 30-year fixed-term contract and guarantee a, a negative 5% return in real terms. It just won't happen. So I, I do believe that inflation has to come down or rates do have to rise. So So now we have another problem then. Dividend yield at 1.2 on the S&P 500, 1.3, something like that. Is that reasonable, right? So here's the problem. Inflation is creeping in, and it's creating systemic risks that most people don't see because traditionally inflation is that stealth, uh, stealth um, effect that most people don't see until it's too late. And now we just can't hide it anymore, which is what I've been warning about all along that, hey, inflation's creeping up. Something's got to give. Part of the inflation we're witnessing has to do with supply chain disruption, uh, without question. If you can't get good, say, take a look at a car. You go buy a car, my good friends, and my friends, there is no sticker dickering going on. In other words, you're paying full retail. Uh, the automotive industry uh, was in the toilet for three decades uh, where their consumer had control. Now the manufacturer has control, and it doesn't stop at automotive. Uh, go get a new roof put onto your house and, and then see how you enjoy that experience. Uh, Jack has been watching my two-by-four prices come right back up. Hence, sheet supply would continue to be very, very firm. And all of that is focus, is, is spilling over into, of course, the commodity producers. Um, so, now, now labor. 
now labor starting to and now labor up. now you also spoke about dividend yield um and again a two percent rate of return uh does not meet any pension fund objectives objectives and so what are pension funds doing and they continue to do uh and our, our, our one of our advisors mr reynolds speaks about it all they do is go and borrow more money uh and do so with a leveraged fashion so this notion of uh the the bond market drying up uh, you know, new bond issuance continues to uh, clip at a record pace. In other words, corporations are still able to borrow money very, very cheaply. Uh, and that's a very important point because you don't choke off an economy when, when, when it's flush with money. So I don't see the bond market um, uh, running away at us or imploding, in other words, with interest rates skyrocketing 4 and 5% anytime soon. But we have to be aware of rate of change. Uh, and, Jack, you often speak about the importance of rate of change. Uh, Jamie, let's pivot over into crypto. Uh, again, you, you're well versed in the space of cryptocurrency. Um, lots of volatility in the space, um, and, and and you know, I guess we might as well tie it into the political environment because the GoFundMe environment has all of a sudden uh, fall under um, FinTrack regulations, um, and all of a sudden disclosure has to be made, and that, all this has to do, of course, with the trucker movement here in Canada. Uh, guys, I want you to both to pipe into this what your thoughts are on and start with Jamie. Well, first of all, I think people should have the the right to support whoever they want. You know, guys that are parking their cars saying that, you know, we want some rights. It's a separate issue. I think the more important question when it comes to, to all of this is the fight between a centralized system and the new decentralized technologies that we have. Because, you know, they cut those hackers that had stolen all that Bitcoin. It, it's not as though Bitcoin is completely untraceable, it's actually more traceable if you know where you're looking and how to follow. The the bigger issue is the technological shift that we're seeing, which is centralized versus decentralized. And I'm amazed that Warren Buffett sold Visa and MasterCard and bought into a Brazilian DeFi bank. So I think he's seeing also the fact that the financial industry is coming onto this decentralized economy that's being built thanks to the blockchain technology. And you can't stop it. Just uh, on a side point, why I think that it's growing, it's, it's growing faster than the internet now. So last year, they booked over 10 trillion transactions using ephemeral loan. From 2020, 1.6 trillion transactions had been booked in all of the blockchain. So it's growing exponentially, and more and more companies are realizing the benefit of the technology itself. Um, and it's a decentralizing technology. So I would start anybody that wants to understand blockchain, understand the technology from the top down and how it's changing the world because more and more applications are coming on board. Uh, one of the companies uh, that we follow internally, um, um, Ether Capital, which was the one set up by Omers, you know, it was, they, they had a great conference call about a month ago. And listening to it, it was amazing how many companies are coming on board. They're more of a consultant uh, at helping companies develop blockchain, blockchain strategies. And companies are coming on board because of the money saving that they get from the technology itself. And because of that, you can't change it. And I think that's where people should be looking at it more from, from the technology as opposed to getting caught up in the whole fight between Bitcoin. Bitcoin is only 19 million uh, bricks within a road that's going to have a million bricks, millions and millions of bricks based on Ethereum, which is a different technology. And, and the best way to play it is through the miners, the companies that are creating the little coins that are storing information. And it's, um, it, it's amazing. I find that 
that's more of a, a fight between a future system versus the system that we had, which is centralized versus decentralized. Jack? Well, just like anything, Wolf, I think, you know, social media and crowdfunding, uh, they have positives and negatives. It really depends how you use them. Uh, I see a lot of extreme polarization uh, with the politics here in Canada and also in the U.S. And, you know, I, I don't like seeing the, uh, you know, these crowdfunding mechanisms used um, to destabilize government. That being said, I think that, they, you know, they have lots of positive attributes. It just depends how people use them. Simple as that. Well, it, it was fascinating, and, and my wife picked up a, early in the story with respect to the truckers' movement uh, and, and, and the funding. Uh, you could just sense that there was American involvement. And then, of course, fast forward a week, and we find out that 50% of that funding came from south of the border. Uh, you know, if it, if, it, if it was paper money that had to be transacted, a little difficult to move it from, say, Texas up to Ottawa, uh, but digitally uh, 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 and uh, with disguise, uh, all of a sudden, uh, much more apt to do. I got to wonder if uh, Putin had anything to do with this or if it was nothing but a red herring. <laughs> no, I, I'm not kidding. Uh, oh, you know, I know, it's a, I know. It's a, it's a frightening world. Uh, and, and, and often when you, you know, when you get immersed into these stories, uh, you, you can get lost in a vortex and, and, and it's a slippery slope or it's a, it's a, it's a dangerous rabbit hole to go down uh, because so much of this is beyond our control. Being aware of it is helpful. But, you know, they're going to still eat Big Macs tomorrow. You're still going to buy yourself a watch. It might be a digital watch and you buy some jewelry and you're going to renovate your home. And that's the type of world I best understand. Sorry, Jamie, go ahead. Uh, the one thing I was going to say that I find funny, but we have to look at it more from the social cycle we're living, which is, you know, the fourth turning or a populist world, you know, where these economies are. But it's the 70s we're playing. That's what amazes me, kind of like the 70s and 80s and how uh, social structures, for whatever reason, you know, the issues that are arising, the debt, all of these issues, um, everything's in flux. And that is what's concerning um, all I know is from my Latin American experience is those hard assets came in handy during uh, during those periods of inflation and, and government disillusionment and, and social conditions that were in change. Right. And I don't know, do we do we as advisors not even talk about it or do we address it? My my attitude is more. You know, just be prepared for worse economic conditions that are coming down the pipeline. And they're easy, know. well, easy on the worst. The, the economy, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Is strong, and that's why we have in a weak economy, my friends. You know what's taking place in a weak economy? Uh, prices are falling. Um, uh, there is no pricing power out there. Banks do not lend money. Um, and bankruptcies are being declared. House was stagnation, stag, but that, that is not the environment. We are in a, a, a strong economic cycle, which is good. The bond market is conducive to that. Banks are making a lot of money. And if you don't like the 1% dividend yield on the S&P 500, if you don't like the 2% government bond yield, buy yourself some bank stocks up here in Canada and get yourself a 4% dividend. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, they're ex it's exposed to housing and, and very much so, and that's the risk uh, to the reward. But I think long-term, five years out, 10 years out, you're going to make yourself a decent return. Uh, you want some alternative assets? Uh, Jamie Carrasco, Senior Investment Advisor, Senior Portfolio Manager, well-versed in the space. Uh, it's a pleasure to uh, have you as a friend, my friend. I want to wish you a safe weekend, and uh, of course, Jack and I will speak with you soon. We're going to stay on the topic uh, of guns 
or butter. Austin Moeller, <laughs> Vice President, Senior senior Aerospace and Defense Analyst with Canaccord, focusing on the defense and technology uh, space sectors, uh, seeking value in a space and uh, as, as the world braces for potential uh, conflict. Um, there are some names out there that are helping the civilians of Ukraine defend themselves against invasion. Interesting discussion uh, right here on Hi-Fi Radio, 640 Toronto. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Yeah, that picture of, of Vladimir Putin sitting at what a forty-foot-long granite table uh, with uh, one of the uh, political, uh, uh, I guess, head of states uh, for Germany. Uh, was it just me? How do you have a conversation of intimacy forty feet away from somebody? They might as well have zoomed it. One, I don't get it. Um, but certainly, the uh, news last week. Uh, was such that I spent a little too much time in front of the tube uh, from the Ottawa situation to the Ukraine situation and the linkage perhaps between those two events, uh, hmm, maybe for another day, but I think there's something there. Uh, you know, the images of, of, of school children uh, holding uh, toy wooden guns, getting prepared to perhaps have to hold a real gun uh, a few days uh, in, in, in advance was, was just, uh, an image I, I want to get rid of in my mind, but uh, uh, when you see the tanks that moved in along the border, uh, those rocket launchers, what a war machine. Unbelievable. How do you defend against that? Um, but uh, Austin Moeller, uh, Vice President, Senior Aerospace and Defense Analyst with Canaccord. Uh, Austin, uh, thank you for spending some time with us. Um, you put a good piece good out morning. Uh, last couple. Uh, thank you. You put a good piece out uh, last couple of days uh, on your space. You notice a couple of names, uh, perhaps would see an increase in sales uh, from international supporters of the citizens of Ukraine. What supplying them guns versus butter? Um, so that's that's essentially right. Um, in my view, because Ukraine is not a member of NATO, my expectation is that uh, other countries that are on the eastern flank of NATO within Eastern Europe, be it uh, Romania, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, Poland, uh, uh, would be expected to um, receive an influx of foreign arms sales from the United States uh, should Russia proceed with invading Ukraine. I would also expect that uh, the U.S. military will be looking to expand its uh inventory of equipment that uh, can be used for air defense, particularly uh, against drones or cruise missiles or hypersonic missiles. So I cover uh, Kratos, ticker KTOS, which they're currently manufacturing a drone called the Airwolf, which the U.S. Army has been particularly interested in procuring 
for use in Eastern Europe. Uh, they also manufacture the Mako, which has a flight time of around three hours, and it, they are targeting that for uh, foreign military sales to uh, either your Eastern European countries or to Taiwan. Um, I will also mention RADA, ticker R-A-D-A. Um, so RADA manufactures hemispheric tactical radars that can be used for air defense and also for active protection systems on tanks. So uh, they're part of a system called the Iron Fist, where uh, essentially a uh, tank shell or an RPG or an anti-tank guided missile would be launched at an armored vehicle, and this system uh, detects it coming and then launches a projectile to neutralize that, that tank shell or RPG. Um, and so they're also part of the IM Shorad air defense system, which is being procured by the U.S. Army. The U.S. Army uh, currently has a contract to procure up to 144 of those vehicles for air defense against drones, cruise missiles, and hypersonic weapons up to a speed of Mach 7. Um, but we, they've also talked about potentially expanding that purchase up to 360 vehicles. Uh, what does the, just because of the name, it caught my attention from the, your company, Akatos, uh, symbol K-T-O-S, trades on the NASDAQ. Uh, so one of the products or items is the Air Wolf. What does it do? So essentially, it is a small tactical drone with a wingspan of about six and a half feet in diameter that's launched off of a rail. So it doesn't require a runway. You'll just have a a small launch rail. And so you could launch it off of ships or off of, out of forward operating bases without a runway. Uh, and so it can carry a bomb load. It can carry uh, either air-to-air missiles or uh, a bomb load and can... Uh, it flies it at high subsonic speeds, around uh, 560 miles per hour. So the Army has been particularly interested in it because it could essentially be the fastest non-missile weapon that they have in their arsenal. Uh, and so they've been particularly interested in using it uh, in Eastern Europe to deter a Russian advance on uh, perhaps the Baltic states, which are part of NATO, Estonia, Lithuania, Latvia, or in Romania or Poland, uh, just given that the drone is so small, it makes it very difficult for uh, air defenses to intercept it. Uh, Jack, you, you are a uh, former captain uh, in the uh, military. Um, you're obviously versed with, what, what do you call it? Is it war games, uh, war tactics? Uh, what you say your... war games, war t- Go ahead. No, go ahead, Jack. What, what, what do you refer to that? Because you, you use that phrase on the weekend to me when we're talking about the situation. Yeah, war games, uh, basically playing out scenarios in terms of, you know, invasion versus defense. And Austin went through a number of scenario analysis in his most recent piece. And I was wondering maybe, Austin, if you could, you know, take the listener through that, you know, between, um, you know, Russia pulling back and then a potential invasion, you know, led by starting with uh, cyber warfare before there potentially would even be an active engagement? Sure. So um, we're still waiting to see what Russia is going to do here. It does not look particularly encouraging, just considering the fact that around uh, more than 100 battalion tactical groups in the Russian military, uh, which is around 70 percent of the active duty forces that Russia has, are currently deployed on the, the border with Ukraine and also in uh, Belarus, which is allied with Russia, and also on the border with Ukraine. So my expectation is that 
if the Russian government does proceed with an invasion of Ukraine, any action will start with uh, large-scale cyber attacks, which would be used to take out critical infrastructure and also paralyze the Ukrainian military and civilian uh, communications and command and control. Uh, and then that would be preceded with a, a uh, large-scale air campaign with uh, Iskander M ballistic missiles or potentially caliber cruise missiles fired from submarines in the Black Sea. Uh, and then there would be uh, a heavy bombing campaign involving uh, either either Tupolev heavy bombers or or Su-34 uh, fighter bombers uh, to try and gain air superiority of the country. Um, after that happens, uh, they, they would uh, use rocket artillery to um, advance the tank columns forward. And in terms of defense technology for the Ukrainians, and you mentioned drones, uh, what options do they have against such a uh, uh, formidable uh, potential assault? So um, the U.S. and other NATO allies have been airlifting them anti-tank missiles sort of by the hour. There's been uh, nonstop flights into into Kiev to deliver anti-tank missiles. Uh, and then Ukraine does have a uh, pretty substantial fleet of uh, Bayraktar TV-2 combat drones, which they've been using in eastern Ukraine, uh, which they purchased from Turkey. Uh, so... That's currently what they have, essentially, and they do have a tank fleet as well um, to defend against the Russian army. But uh, it should be noted that Russia has in excess of 12,000 battle tanks, so it would be a, a formidable engagement. Uh, you're speaking, or we're speaking with Austin Moeller. He's the vice president, senior aerospace and defense analyst with Canaccord. Very timely discussion. Uh, Austin is known for his deep dive analysis on the space and unmanned system industry. Uh, he previously published extensive industry white papers on both subject areas. He's been with the company for about three years. It's a pleasure uh, spending time with such a smart individual uh, during these, well, uh, interesting times, to say the least. Uh, Shows Hi Fi Radio each and every Saturday night right here on 640 in Toronto. Jack Hartle, of course, portfolio manager, myself, portfolio manager. Any questions for Jack or I, WolfgangKlein.com. We're going to get back with Austin Muller uh, right after these messages. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey there, Mr. Putin. Come on. Be friends with the Ukrainians. If you claim there's so many people in uh, Ukraine that are of Russian descent, uh, there, there was a headline, by the way, gentlemen, uh, if I caught it correctly, that uh, Russia's out with a statement that Ukraine uh, has been, uh, oh, shall I say, less than friendly with its people, creating uh, acts of uh, or crimes against humanity. Uh, true, false propaganda, I don't know, but just uh, interesting as they retreat their 
sort of pointing the finger back at uh, the government of Ukraine. Uh, Austin Muller, uh, Vice President, Senior Aerospace Defense Analyst with Canada, of course, spending some time with us. Uh, uh, he, of course, has been studying the situation uh, at length. Uh, Austin, give us a, in, in your best estimate, and again, this is a military defense speak and you know, goes beyond analyzing companies, of course, but it, it, it does play into your space a lot, so I'm sure you've thought about it. How does it, uh, does this situation play out? Uh, does it uh, solve itself? Because it, this has been brewing for years, um, and uh, I think about eight years, in fact. I think this whole thing began in, in 2014. Uh, where is it going? Well, it's certainly not headed in a positive direction. As you mentioned, uh, U- Ukraine was originally invaded by Russia in 2014, uh, shortly after the um, Euromaidan protests and a change in the government. And so uh, Russia started by um, annexing the uh, Crimea, which is a large peninsula in the Black Sea, which was also host to a large Russian naval base. And they've been running a low-level insurgency war in uh, the Donbass, which is in eastern Ukraine, uh, pretty much from 2014 until now. Um, So clearly, based on what we've seen in the past several weeks, uh, Putin is now at a calculus that he does not seem to think that um, the government in Kyiv is going to move uh, closer to Moscow as it has been in the past. And it's continued to move closer and closer to NATO and the European Union and essentially just become another regular European democracy. And uh, Putin, of course, does not like this. Uh, So he uh, has been unwilling to accept uh, that Ukraine is moving closer and closer to NATO and the European Union, and he is clearly willing to use military force uh, to prevent that from happening. Jack, give us your take on it. It doesn't look like it's moving in the right direction, Wolf, uh, unfortunately, but uh, I know that the market is very focused on it right now. Um, in the short term. But when you look at geopolitics over the longer term, and we've talked about Crimea back in 2014, these types of events, they do tend to be, I'm going to say, relatively transitory for the markets. Um, So if there is a a market opportunity, meaning market goes down based on this news, you know, we would be looking to buy high quality stocks uh, in that context. So geopolitics is not fun uh you know the events that we had up in the capital in canada i don't like to see it i don't like to see the polarization uh, same thing obviously with potential conflict in ukraine but uh these things for long-term investors um they actually tend to be relatively transitory um austin i'm curious uh what was your opinion of what took place in our nation's capital as an american uh i assume you're referring to january 6th no, I'm referring to this to, to last weekend uh, with, with the trucker movement uh, blockading our our, our nation's capital. Uh, you know. Oh uh, right. Uh, well, uh, definitely, certainly su- surprising to see that. Although I, I can't uh, comment specifically on the details of Canadian politics. No, I, I understand. I'm just as I'm just curious as a citizen to see such an event take place, and it's so un-Canadian. Uh, it, it, and, and it, 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 remarkable that it was 50% funded uh, by Americans. And, of course, uh, uh, the polarization is, is being discussed in this country and how polarized we are becoming. Um, 
Yeah, it's, 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 it is an interesting world. I was curious about the, 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 you know, the, this whole uh, Russia-Ukraine invasion, what the linkage is there to Ottawa as a bit of a red herring. Uh, to, it, it's frightening. Uh, it, it truly is frightening. You know, all I want to do is get down to some straightforward business uh, where people are able to go out there and consume goods and services. And uh, good companies, of course, succeed. And you own those good companies, you make money. But getting sidetracked every now and then is what these these events can do too, uh, and and it can be detrimental to your financial plan. Um, let me ask you, if if I may, if uh, Russia decides to invade the Ukraine, uh, how would they be successful in your opinion? How long would the conflict last? Um, and if they're unsuccessful, how long would the retaliation take uh, to to push them back? Uh, it depends on the scope of the invasion. Um, Russia does have a substantial force of around 150,000 troops on Ukraine's border, as well as another 30,000 troops in Belarus. And as I said, more than uh, 70% of the active duty land forces are currently deployed uh, surrounding Ukraine. Um, it's definitely a, uh, a sloped battle. Um, against Ukraine. Russia is the second most powerful military on earth um, and has in excess of 12,000 tanks, as well as very sophisticated electronic warfare equipment and uh, devastating rocket artillery, as well as a very advanced air force. So my expectation is if they uh, do advance into Ukraine, they could certainly take major city centers like Kiev and Kharkiv very quickly, the question, of course, is after that, does it become an insurgency like in 1980s Afghanistan, um, in which case uh, the Russians would have to stay deployed for a long period of time to fight against the Ukrainian resistance? But uh, which way that battle actually goes remains to be seen, although I would expect the, the open large-scale battles would be uh, particularly in Russia's favor. Brilliant discussion, Austin. I cannot thank you enough. It's a complicated subject matter, and uh, obviously you're spending a lot of time with it. It's very, very helpful uh, to all of us. Uh, I want to wish you a safe weekend, Austin. Uh, thank you once again, again, Vice President, Senior Aerospace and Defense Analyst with Canaccord Genuity. Uh, it's amazing the pool of talent uh, Jack and I have available to our cause of helping you build wealth. Any questions for Jack or I, Wolfgang Klein? Uh, Take a look at our performance. I think you'll be quite impressed. I want to wish you a safe weekend. Jack, thank you very kindly. Did a great job, as always, producing the show. Friends, be safe, be well, be wealthy. We'll speak to you next Saturday right here on 640 Toronto. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.